Welcome to the Digital Edge with Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway. Your hosts, both legal technologists, authors, and lecturers, invite industry professionals to discuss a new topic related to lawyers and technology. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 76th edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Digital War Room, a leading e-discovery platform. And I'm Jim Calloway, director of the Oklahoma Bar Association's Management Assistance Program. Today, our topic is lawyer scams and how to avoid them. We are happy to welcome our longtime friend Dan Pennington as our guest. Dan is Vice President of Claims Prevention and Stakeholder Relations at the Lawyers Professional Indemnity Company, the malpractice carrier for more than 24,000 lawyers in Ontario. He's a fellow of the College of Law Practice Management, a past chair of ABA Tech Show, and is a prolific writer, speaker, and blogger on risk management, legal technology, and law practice management issues. Dan has done a lot of work to help lawyers avoid being victimized by frauds and other online scams. Thanks for having me, Jim and Sharon. Great to be here today on a topic uh, that is of great interest, helping lawyers avoid uh, scams. Many lawyers don't think they'd fall for these, but unfortunately some do. We're going to do our best today to help lawyers avoid them. Yeah, and we thought we'd start by snitching from the headlines. And I know Dan and I were talking just before we went on about the fact that uh, in the United States, but I, I know also in Canada from some of your listservs, in the United States we're seeing people get emails that seem to reference a court hearing or a motions day or something. And they appear to come either from a court or from a famous law firm, a big firm. And either there is an attachment, which they are supposed to open, or there is a link. And no matter what you do, of course, there's a malicious malware payload coming with it. So that's something we've seen a lot here, and I have seen some of your folks up in Canada reference it as well. Um, you mentioned something to me about a banker Trojan, Dan? Uh, yes, we recently had a firm experience a very significant loss after they were infected with a Trojan banker virus. This is malware that is installed on a computer via the usual vectors, email, or in this case, clicking on a news item on a secondary news site. And it was actually the bookkeeper at the firm that was out browsing the web and managed to download this Trojan to her computer. This Trojan works by popping up fake screens, convincing the user that there's a problem accessing the bank's website, but it looks like they're on the real bank's website. And in this case, that was engineered into some phone calls from a friendly supposed bank employee who uh, asked the bookkeeper to try logging in. And in doing so with the Trojan on the computer, it ended up that she passed her access passwords on to the fraudsters who instantly went in, determined the balance of the bank account and uh, wired out about 90% of the funds. This account or firm rather had enabled the wiring functionality into their uh, account. The fraudsters did the same thing on two successive occasions and there was almost 400,000 wired out of the account before uh, this was uh, discovered. 
Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit about the uh, more common type of fraud, the uh, bad check fraud that start with the emails and these other scams that uh, target lawyers. How widespread are they and, and how do they work exactly? In the last few years, we've had further to our efforts to help lawyers avoid these scams. Uh, we've had 7,100 or more than 7,100 reports of these bad check frauds to our fraud reporting email address. And I'll talk more about that uh, towards the end of the presentation. These have come from every province in Canada, every state in the U.S. Almost half the reports we get are from the U.S. and from almost 100 other countries around the world. In the show notes, you can see a map that shows the count of these frauds and where they've been reported to us from around Canada, the U.S., and elsewhere in the world. The 7100 number doesn't include the real obvious ones, i.e. the daughter of a recently deceased banking official who wants to get $25 million out of the country. These are kind of real-looking, convincing frauds that are specifically targeting lawyers. And, of course, that number represents a very small fraction of the actual attempts. Thousands are being targeted, and not just lawyers, also real estate agents, accountants, and others. And sometimes they will be targeted in conjunction and involved in the same frauds that are targeting lawyers. And with all of these thousands of attempts, unfortunately, there are a few lawyers that end up getting duped, sometimes newer and older lawyers, but also lawyers at medium and very large firms. You know, you have said that they look like legitimate legal matters, and I know the ones I've seen have been, well, two I think stand out here, and that's collecting a debt and also handling uh, an estate with one party being out of the country or some such thing. What, what are you guys seeing? Yeah, very much the same things. Uh, these are simply contrived legal matters that present themselves as legal work for a lawyer, and they're intended to set up circumstances for a lawyer to receive a check from someone and then quickly wire the money on that check off to a third party. Unfortunately, the check is not real. The fraudster gets real money, and the lawyer gets a shortfall in their trust account. Either other clients' monies has gone missing, or there's a personal debt to the bank. They involve just about every major area of practice, and indeed sometimes it looks like the fraudsters are specifically targeting lawyers by area of practice. The amounts we're seeing are fairly reasonable, 200 to 400,000. There's spousal support collections, bank debt collections, personal loans, accounts receivable or commercial transactions, just general business loans or inventory purchases where there's somebody lending money to buy uh, business inventory or, or assets, and there'll be multiple people. The purchaser will be there, the lender will be there, and they're all in cahoots with the fraudster. Also, IP license agreement uh, disputes and, and basically any other scenario where there's some kind of refund of a deposit, that can be a real estate deal. It can be, indeed, a simple retainer paid to a law firm and the client calling back two days later saying, send back 90% of the retainer, keep a bit of the money for, uh, for yourself. You know, I'm sure, given the uh, first scams that we all saw on the Internet, a lot of lawyers think they'd never be fooled by this type of online fraud. But have you seen any extreme examples of how far they'll go to really look legitimate? Jim, I frequently see lawyers say I would never be fooled, and thankfully most are not, but sometimes they are. 
lawyers should not underestimate the determination of the fraudsters behind these frauds. They will go to unbelievable efforts to make these matters appear to be legitimate. They will sometimes try to appear to come from a trusted source, another local lawyer or real estate agent. They will sometimes call a second person and ask for the name and then use that name when they call you. They will provide ID and it'll be very legitimate looking ID, a driver's license, passport, social security or social insurance numbers, other ID cards, There are some samples in the show notes of the various ID that we've seen. They will sign any retainer form that they're asked to sign. They will promise to even to pay a retainer, but you'll never get that payment. Or if you do, it'll be a fake check. Instead, what they end up doing is the big money comes through and they simply ask you to take your funds for fees uh, from that. They will provide you with extensive background information and documents. You will get any and every document you would expect to see on a legitimate matter, and these documents will look real. They'll be in color and have graphics and serial numbers of equipment and everything. But important to note, as real-looking as these documents are and as they will often name third parties, the contact info on these documents will put you in touch with the fraudsters or people in cahoots with the fraudsters. And again, in the show notes, there's a number of different examples of some of the different documents that we have seen. The checks, they look real as well. And the reason is they're printed by real check printers. They'll have all the security features you would expect to see on a real check, embossing and holographs and watermarks. They will fool lawyers and law firm staff, and they will fool the banks. And you can see examples of some of those uh, checks in the show notes as well. And interestingly enough, up here in Canada, we tend to get U.S. checks, and in many cases, attorneys in the U.S. will get Canadian checks because simply when you go into a bank with a check from another country, it's much harder for the bank to recognize or deal with or confirm that the check is real, and sometimes people just send them through. They will use Skype to spoof telephone names and addresses, and they will call you, email you, telephone you multiple times. We've seen numerous instances where there were 30 or more emails and phone conversations back and forth, and there's some links in the show notes to give you some examples of those. They will use the names of real businesses and people, and they'll even go as far as setting up fake websites to back themselves up. Clearly, they're kind of hard to spot. I get that. And I know that the the most useful thing for most lawyers are knowing and understanding the red flags. I think one of the biggest ones is if they're in a, an all-fired hurry. <laughs> but but there are others as well. Dan, what, what would you say the greatest red flags are? There's a, a full list of the red flags in the show notes and also in our fraud fact sheet, a useful resource. So we'll give you the link for that at the end of the show. And, you know, the tricky thing with the red flags is some of them will appear on legitimate matters. The trick is when you've got more than a handful or a few of them, that's when your little antenna should go up and you need to be much more careful. The common ones are uh, very frequently the initial contact email is generically addressed and BCC'd to many people. So that's the huge one right out of the starting gate. But we've seen more and more circumstances where they're using bulk email software, so that one doesn't always work. 
where the sender email address is different than the name that you're asked to to reply in the body of the email address, and that's because that sender email address will frequently be flagged as a spam or a scam address, and the fraudsters want you to be able to get in touch with them. They will use email addresses typically from one of the free email services, Gmail, MSN, or Yahoo. Even, interestingly enough, when they're purporting to contact you on behalf of a big corporate entity. They will be generally a new client to your firm in a far-off jurisdiction, and that will be the reason given for preferring to communicate by email and not by telephone. They will frequently show up just before or around banking holidays, so it's easier for people tend to be in a rush and harder to catch them through the banking system if there's a problem. They will sometimes say they prefer email communications due to time zone differences. They will provide vague address information, often only a cell. They will very often be in a rush and really pressure the lawyer to do the deal quickly and move the funds out. In particular, that's a big red flag. And you'll find that the circumstances of the matter change to create urgent circumstances. They won't be concerned if shortcuts are uh, taken along the way as well, and they will not hesitate to pay much higher than usual fees, usually from the funds that are going to be paid through. And you'll find that check sometimes comes from an entity that appears completely unrated. So uh, say on a spousal support arrears payment, you might get a payment from a, a check from a insurance company or a travel agency. Dan, what are your very best tips for lawyers to avoid being duped? Don't let your guard down. These are getting ever more sophisticated. Watch for the red flags. If even the smallest things don't add up, dig deeper. Ask questions. Cross-check contact info and facts online. Don't rely on the documents that they've given you. Verify if the uh, ID is legitimate. Sometimes you can do online searches of, say, driver's license numbers. Look at the ID carefully for pixelization around names, numbers, birth dates. Call the debtor or the lender or the vendor at an independently verified number to see if they're aware of what's going on. Talk to your bank about the check. Google is your friend. Cross-check and verify names, telephone numbers, email addresses, the text and the messages that you're getting. They tend to reuse some of the, the messages. Remember, you can search text within double quotes to find exact instances of email addresses or phone numbers. If there's an address involved that you have, check the address on Google Maps. If they claim to be a business and you're looking at a picture on Street View of a residential area, that's uh, an issue. If there's a property involved, do a drive-by. See what's uh, really there. And check the domain name registrations on either email names or websites to see you know, if the registration is a couple of weeks old and they're claiming to be an entity that's been around for uh, years and years, that's a huge red flag. Collect a retainer and don't commence work until you've got real money in your account. That's a great way to be really safe on these. Ask them to write a check directly to your client. You'll be 100% safe if you do this, but uh, that will uh, never happen. If you're not sure the matter's legitimate, terminate the retainer. Lastly, to help shut them down, report abuse to uh, the email service provider. There's a page on Gmail and the other sites where you can do this. 
And lastly, never, ever disperse funds out of your account until you're sure there is real money in there. Again, you're likely going to get a foreign instrument. You have to sit on it for an extended period of time, even if the client's pressuring you. I know there are various ways to transfer money in and out of an account, different rules in Canada and the U.S., Uh, Remember to look at your banking agreement and remember that certified funds, uh, despite being certified, the bank, further to the terms of your banking agreement, can probably go back and pull the money out sometime down the road, and that can be days, weeks, or even months later. Well, Dan, that is all very, very helpful stuff. Uh, What a list. So let us pause now for a commercial break, and then we'll be right back. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Welcome back to the Digital Edge on the Legal Talk Network. Today, our subject is lawyer scams and how to avoid them. Dan and I talked a little earlier, and he asked me to mention some of the things going on on the uh, United States side of the border. As he said, we have had lawyer check scams in every state. It's amazing how you think it's going to abate and everybody's going to learn about it, but that's not the way it works. They really operate in much the same way, and Dan has gone through things very comprehensively. The one thing I will say uh, from the United States side is that lawyers do not understand what it means for a check to clear a bank. Depositing a check does not mean that the check is cleared. So you call or you go online to find out if the funds are available. Some lawyers think that means the check has cleared. It does not. The check doesn't clear until it has cleared. So most banks will tell you that that will happen within 30 days, but it doesn't happen fast. And the fraudsters always want you to send the money, of course, right away. So until you absolutely have heard that the monies have been received by your bank, you do not want to do anything. You don't want to make any disbursements. That's where they get caught almost every time. And I don't know what you want to add to the tail end of that, Dan. I would agree with that. And the client will be calling you and emailing you and absolutely screaming that they need the funds. And we've seen everything from, you know, someone else is going to buy this inventory at this amazing price to medical, emergency medical circumstances come up and they need the money to pay for hospital bills. And they will be calling and emailing. And one of the huge red flags to watch out for. And I think sometimes lawyers really feel they want to help, and that's when they kind of fall into the trap. One of our uh, banking lawyers here in Oklahoma has suggested there's another process where you can actually deposit a check for collection. You pay a fee, but then when they certify the funds, they are certified. So I've encouraged some lawyers who were just sure their deal was legitimate to do that. I wouldn't want to blame the victim, Dan, and lawyers clearly are the intended victim here, but do you think there are some uh, ethical implications for lawyers who fall for these scams hook, line, and sinker? Sometimes one would question the competence of lawyers who don't spot the real obvious 
frauds, and admittedly, when you've seen as many of them as, as we have, being the insurance company, perhaps our senses are a little bit more attuned to spotting them. I've not seen anyone dispersed for falling for one of these scams, but I think probably the most frequent ethical issue that comes up is how to deal with a matter when you have suspicions. You don't want to challenge the client initially in that case. You want to do a little bit of investigation without tipping off the client. You need to be careful. Attorneys need to keep in mind that if the lawyer is duped by a fraudster, there is ultimately no lawyer-client relationship in that circumstance, and the obligations of confidentiality don't apply. If you've got some suspicions and you want to do some investigating, you think you need to be careful. You know, we get calls from lawyers looking for advice, and certainly lawyers could call up their local practice management advisor and uh, kind of run it by them and just get a little bit of direction from somebody who's on the outside looking in. Be careful not to disclose any confidential information. If you feel or have some concerns at some point, then raise them with the client. Uh, at the point of view, or, or you get to the point where it's for sure a fraud, terminate uh, the relationship and move on. And in, in that case, you would not be under an obligation to return fake checks or other documents. And the, the rules of the road uh, in terms of ethics don't apply. One of the things we've noticed around here, too, is that you can get what looks like a certified check, but it isn't. It's a fraud. So the fact that it appears to be a certified check, it just may not be so. So be careful about that, because I know I used to feel comfortable about certified checks until I learned how often they were not really certified. So, Dan, tell us where lawyers can go to get more information on fraud prevention and help to protect themselves. Sure, a number of sources. First of all, our Avoid a Claim blog, all one word, avoidaclaim.com. We are posting the names of fraudsters that we are confirming via getting multiple emails from the same individual that have been sent to multiple lawyers. So, And it's a very high-traffic website, needless to say. So usually if you Google search the name of the client on one of these frauds, you're going to end up on our, our website, but you can go directly there as well. I mentioned our fraud fact sheet. Um, that's available on the uh, practicepro.ca website, and there's a link in the show guide as well. It's a great little tool to educate law firm staff and lawyers about these frauds, how they work, and remember to, uh, to educate your staff about them as well. They may see things that the lawyer may not, and equally important that they're up to speed on these frauds and they can help prevent them. If you do get targeted by one of uh, these, report it to fraud info, all one word, at lawpro.ca. That's where we're collecting these messages and putting up the information that puts together to warn other lawyers about this information. Lots of great resources there, Dan. Any final comments? Yes. If something's too good to be true, it's too good to be true, folks. Legitimate clients will not pay you $20,000 for a 400000 collection or loan arrangement that took three days and only involved a few phone calls and emails. Trust your instincts. Dig deeper if things don't add up, even the uh, smallest things. Sit on any monies deposited into your trust account until you're absolutely sure the money is there. And again, as Sharon noted, that can be uh, weeks uh, later or, or longer. Tell the client that you will do this uh, at the start uh, of, of the matter. 
do absolutely everything you can to be avoid being duped by one of these uh, frauds. A several hundred thousand dollar shortfall in your trust account will be professionally, financially, and personally disastrous. Well, Dan, I'm thinking that if you think if something's too good to be true, you shouldn't do it. I'm thinking you think my investment in tomorrow night's Powerball is probably not a good idea. Wish I could buy a ticket, too. Our lottery prizes don't go as high up here. (laughs) Well, we sure thank you for being with us. I know that we've all seen lawyer scams proliferating at an amazing rate on both uh, sides of our borders, and the only ways to help lawyers avoid them is to educate them. So thank you for sharing all of your expertise on this subject, Dan. There are very few lawyers who have followed this subject just as extensively as you have, and so we were truly delighted that you could join us today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Great to be able to uh, have an opportunity to spread the fraud prevention message to uh, your listeners. And that does it for this edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers in Technology. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye, Miss Sharon. Happy trails, cowboy. Thanks for listening to The Digital Edge, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway for their next podcast covering the latest topic related to lawyers and technology. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.